All right, let's check in with what's going on over in Victoria. Rob Shaw is with us now from Czech News, filling in for Vaughn this week. Um, Rob, I have another question for you this morning. Oh, good. I have a question for you, too. You can go first. Okay. How do you feel about giant hornets? Giant hornets, a.k.a. murder hornets. You know, interestingly, Agriculture Minister Lana Popham gave me a a dead one once. You too. They're huge. Okay. They're huge and they're scary. And I know Vaughn is, uh, (laughs) Vaughn Palmer is scared of them. Terrified. I am scared of them as well. Terrified of them. Okay. Okay. Here's Here's my question for you. Yeah. Famous British actor David Warner passed away last week. He had three major Star Trek roles. There was The Final Frontier and Undiscovered Country. But I remember him best in The Next Generation. Do you have any idea what role he had? Wasn't he in a Next Generation movie? Or was it an no, episode? He, he was. It was an episode, and he was the Cardassian in <gasps> Chain of Command the who Cardassian. tortured Jean-Luc oh. Picard. One of the greatest scenes yes. in Star Trek history where he tried to get him to say there are four lights when there were five in an Orwellian yes, moment of I kind of domination. Yes, I that. Also, did you have the same reaction that I did? Every time the Cardassians would come on, you'd be like, oh, those Cardassians. They're the worst. (laughs) (laughs) They were the worst. They were one of the... The the best villains. The worst, I think. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. They were the best villains. I agree with you. I remember David Warner vividly, too, from all these other movies that he did. Um, Thank you very much for that. Yes, I do remember Uh, him. I tried to turn the tables on you. (laughs) He did. uh, Hey, do it. Absolutely. Okay. We're getting right. to know each other. That's what I love about this process. And I'm glad to hear about your giant hornets thing because usually Gord McDonald will put any story about those hornets in the news if, if Vaughn is around. So I thought maybe we should be continuing that. <laughs> but they're in the news right now because the Entomological Society of America is officially changing their name to the Northern Giant Hornet. So we can't call them murder hornets anymore. They still They're still scare big. the pants off. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Um, okay, let's talk about what's going on in Victoria. But Rob, it seems to me that it's it's really quiet right now in Victoria. Is that the case? It is. Yeah, you know, politicians tend to take kind of a break around this time. Uh, it's a it's a double edged sword for people like the premier. They are, the public expects him around when there's fires, but there haven't been a lot of wildfires this year, and so. Uh, different members of cabinet take different breaks around this time, and that's why it tends to kind of uh, get a little bit quiet over here. Okay, but it seems to me there's a very important and significant leadership race going on. How can it be so <laughs> quiet when there's when there's this race to be the premier going on? Yeah, well, David Eby is the only candidate. Uh, no one else has declared. The entire cabinet and caucus basically is behind him. So, uh, you know, in a different reality with a different race, a different earth, perhaps, there would be a really robust NDP leadership race going on right now with debates and all sorts of things like that. But uh, that is not what's happening. And so, oddly, it is it is very quiet, despite the fact that the premier's job is up for grabs. And uh, you'd think more people would want to take a run at that. Okay, and so are you hearing anything else about this? Like, when we asked David Eby about this, he said that he didn't anticipate any of his colleagues in in caucus running. He hadn't heard that any of his other colleagues were interested in this. No, they all endorsed him, basically. Uh, and so the I, I think if there are other people who are going to run, they're going to be outside the NDP, maybe from the environmental movement or the labor movement. Uh, sorry, outside of the NDP caucus. They'll still be in the NDP party, but uh, they won't be MLAs. And if that happens, then yeah, he's got to... He's got to go through debates and uh, a campaign and, and that type of thing. If no one steps forward by October 3rd and pays the $40,000, then he would be acclaimed. But I, I expect at least someone in in some part of the distant NDP camp will, will try to 
just make a race out of it uh, because they don't like the idea of him being coronated without competition. But as of now, it's it's just him. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Now let's talk about something uh, that, you know, because we were heading towards that summer break and it was going to get quiet, we didn't talk a lot about, which is this the whole expansion of the speculation tax that the uh, finance minister announced last week. Like how big of a deal is that? Well, it's interesting because of what it does and what also it doesn't do. And you remember the speculation tax applies in Metro Vancouver and the capital region here, Kelowna and in Nanaimo, Lanceville. And we were waiting to see how it would be expanded to places perhaps like Whistler or the Gulf Islands, where there really is a vacancy a rental rate crunch and kind of a housing issue. It was not expanded to those areas, which is interesting. Instead, the government added in Lions Bay and Squamish. Yeah. And then it added a bunch of island locations like Ladysmith, Duncan, and Lake Cowichan and North Cowichan. Uh, I think the goal here was, according to the finance minister, add in some of the small areas outside the urban areas that people might be buying up property in to commute or invest because they're just outside of, of Metro Vancouver, outside of Greater Victoria and Nanaimo, and they're feeling housing pressure too. But I mean, if you look on a map, especially here on the island where the speculation tax applies and doesn't apply, it is a mess. It is a complete mess because you're driving through Nanaimo and then suddenly it doesn't apply in, in south of Nanaimo and Yellow Point, And then again, it does in Ladysmith and then, but not just south of Ladysmith and then in Duncan, like, and the town of Shawnigan Lake, but not the rest of Shawnigan Lake. I, I, only the Ministry of Finance could come up with a map that looks like that, uh, that doesn't exist <laughs> in the real world. And that's part of the problem with the speculation tax. It's a weird um, I've covered it since it was announced in 2018. It's this amorphous blob that's constantly changing, and it is hyper-political. Uh, it's a cabinet political tax, and so that's why we see weird decisions uh, like this that, hmm. that don't really make a lot of sense. Let's talk about the Gulf Island aspect of this, because if the if the goal of the speculation tax is to push you know, more housing into the rental market to encourage people to take those second homes and rent them out. Well, why wouldn't the Gulf Islands be a target for that? Because one of the concerns that so many businesses and and the Gulf Islands has right now is that there's no place for people who work on the Gulf Islands to live on the Gulf Islands. It depends on who you ask. And the finance minister will say that the Gulf Islands and Whistler are resort communities where the population balloons uh, in the summer and that you need to have that flexibility to accommodate, uh, I guess in Whistler in the winter, to accommodate uh, the tourists that are coming in. And you can't necessarily lock those down into the speculation tax rental pool, which is at least six months of the year. Uh, if you ask the opposition liberals, they will say that there are a few cabinet ministers in the NDP who own investment properties and cottages in the Gulf Islands, including Murray Rankin, the now acting minister of housing for David Eby, who's uh, stepped aside, and that uh, maybe the NDP don't want to expand the tax to that would uh, hit some of their cabinet members there. It's always been a sensitive kind of issue where it doesn't doesn't apply. Uh, it would make sense to apply it to the Gulf Islands and Whistler, I think. But the minister says she wants to take it very slowly uh, and do more research on that. Uh, although, this tax is four years old now, and people have been talking about those areas since it began. Uh, and uh, it, it's moving pretty slow. So again, a political decision on a on a political tax. Right. And yet, they, at the polling, clearly shows them, though, that overall, the tax is is relatively popular with British Columbians. They like, I think British it's Columbians like the idea of it. Sure, they like the idea of it. I don't think a lot of British Columbians really understand how it works. You know, it was created to target foreigners who had multiple properties and left them vacant instead of renting them. And it did that. It's, it, it drove down the number of foreigners paying this tax by 52% in the first four years. But once you take 
more of the foreigners out, you end up with the fact that this tax mainly targets British Columbians. Now, that was never the intent, but that's what it does now. So, you know, if there's a two to one rate on British Columbians versus foreigners paying this thing, 60 to 38% if you add in Canadians and satellite families. And what it really is, is a wealth tax on people who have cottages or second properties or multiple properties in certain areas uh, who choose to not rent them out full time. And that was never really how it was described at the beginning. It's popular because people like the idea of targeting speculators. Uh, I don't know if this version of the tax right now, as explained in 2018, would have been popular at all. But the government claims it's pushed 20,000 people to rent their properties who might otherwise have left them vacant. And and again, it's a it was one of the first things the NDP did mm-hmm. in taking power in 2018. They are going to defend this thing to the end, whether or not it achieves the original goals or is even the original vision of what it's become. Mm, interesting. All right, Rob, thank you. Okay, take care. I look forward to your question tomorrow. I will get a good one ready. <laughs> okay, thanks for that.